Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Now, before you yell at me for saying that this is a very special episode, this really actually really, really, really is a very special episode because it's basically a collaboration or what you could say a crossover, depending on what you know, metaphor you want to use um, of the Margin Call crew, which exists primarily of me and Eming, basically, uh, and the Geek Force crew, which you all know very well. Kat, Marlon, Raymond, and Eming, of course. I mean, Eming's everywhere, so you gotta, you know what I mean? She's the one who goes between us. She's like Mercury. She's the communicator among the gods, you know? You got it, guys. I'm, I'm referencing classic, classical mythology, which also shows up in comic books a lot. I know things. <laughs> that's actually that's actually the last thing I'm going to know on this episode. <laughs> I, gotta, I have to just I have to bask in my glory. You but, tried. Good yeah. effort. Uh, but this is a collaboration just because we have been having a conversation, obviously, about the best way for us to talk about the upcoming election by the time you're hearing this episode. I mean, many people are already doing early voting. By the time you hear this episode, people will still be early voting uh, and the election will only be days away. So this is our last opportunity as Queston, as an organization, to get together and talk about the issues that we think are important to our listeners, talk about the issues that we think are important to us. Um, so much, so much to go over. But let me start by introducing one of my favorite people in the world, the person I'm going to call my co-host, even if she doesn't want to say that she's being a co-host today. Kat, thank you very much for being here and for making this happen. Welcome. Welcome to Margin Call slash Geek Force. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of put my geek cap to the side and talk about real issues that we live with every day. Um, it does feel kind of like a fictional story, but it's it's a real life, you know, it's still good and evil, but, and we're just the characters that live it, you know, but hey. I like this metaphorical framing device here where this is a battle between good and evil. I assume that's going to take us to a Star Wars discussion, but I won't say anything yet. So, Kat, I know you're saying you're not the co-host, but I have decided that I'm going to say co-host today because it makes me feel better. Thank you for being <laughs> here, Kat. Welcome to the show. Even though it's like my show is your show, you know what I'm saying? You're welcome here anytime. And uh, Marcia Call is a big fan of you and, and of Geek Force. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I got my startup here. So I always come back to where I began. This is my origin story, Margin Call. That's true. You did not forget your, your roots. You know, perhaps this could be your fortress of solitude. I don't know. I made another. Did I make, are you laughing at me? Okay, now you're just trying too hard. I love you, but you're trying way too hard at this point. This is about the election. Thank you. Can we go Thank back you. to what we were talking about? Thank you for getting us back. Thank you for getting us back on task. What we talking about now. I just, you know, it's like, if you look at mythology, if you look at comic books, you know, it's like, there's just so many inhabitable metaphors. As Kat said moments ago, you could frame our national conversation and this election is a battle between good and evil. The metaphors that we have about good and evil come from classical mythology. The stories that we all love from comic books come from classical mythology. Star Wars and George Lucas himself has always framed these things as battles between good and evil, light side, dark side. Forgive me if these wonderful metaphors 
come to infect our conversation here today. I, I think it only I'm makes just saying sense. you're stacking them and it's it's just it's just too much. It's like right. each right. other out. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. I'll pump the brakes. I'll pump the brakes. All right. So he yeah. so he can't stack a draw two on a draw four? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you can't yeah, even stack a that's another margin call episode stay tuned for next week while we discuss the uno rules actually you know what this is important we'll save some time at the end to discuss everybody's house uno rules right <laughs> because everybody knows you can't even put a draw two on a draw two you can't even uh, do that. You, you can. You can definitely double up on a double. If it's, you look at the Uno rules, you no one reads those rules. Um, what did I teach those kids in, com- in Uno, summer camp every year? The Uno rules stack, stack, are stack. all <laughs> verbal. I feel like every Uno person you, you explain. Yeah, Uno everybody has their own rules. Yeah, that's no why you got to get it out of the way when you start. Okay, evening. Eming, I read your face. I read your face, and you're right because here we are talking about Uno. Although I bet you there's a way to connect Uno to the election, but I'm not going to do that work right now. Maybe save it for the end. Yes, Cat, thanks for being the co-host. Of course, Raymond Marlin. I know it took me ten minutes to formally welcome you guys, but thank you for being here. You guys are great. Seventeen. Big fan of the show, as you know, Um, and I'm I'm really happy that we have the opportunity to all get together to talk about the only thing there is to talk about right now, which is the election. Um, I did all my throat clearing at the top of the show. Everybody, all of our listeners already know it's crazy. It's a wild world. Um, the, the fate hangs in the balance. It's mere days away. Uh, and we don't want to retread all the same kind of topics and debates and discussions that are happening on CNN and in the New York Times and on Fox News. And, you know, because we don't really like talking points. And, you know, our only objective is just like truth and analysis and trying to uncover aspects of every story that are not being covered. Um, And that's why we're here today. So we have a list of things we want to go through. As any of our regular listeners know, uh, our proposed topics are really just kind of a fantasy. You know what I mean? It's like we say this at the top of the show, like, oh, here's what we're going to cover today. And then we just end up talking about what we want to talk about. And then we have an amazing show. But just for starters, just for giggles, um, I do want to start off with, Kat, this was actually your suggestion. And I think it's in some ways, the most important thing to talk about right now, because people are just starting to cast votes. And there are so many questions about the safety and legitimacy of our democracy. I'm very personally interested. And I've even asked other guests um, on Margin Call in prior weeks um, about this. But I, I think it's very important that we talk about, like, what are people's voting plans? You know, like, what do people feel comfortable doing? There's so many different considerations, like our vote arguably, you know, matters now, whatever, quote unquote, now more than ever. Um, but it is also like potentially dangerous, right? Like, do people feel comfortable standing in line very close to people being indoors? What's the safest way to do it? Are people mailing things in to be safe? Are people afraid if they mail it in, it won't be counted or it has less of a chance of being counted? And, you know, there are just so many questions about just the voting plan, which is new. I've voted now. I mean, you know, when I do vote, which will be this week, I'm going to do early voting because they have it in New York. I will be voting in what? I mean, I'm old. So this is like my sixth presidential election that I'm going to be voting in. Is that no more? Eight? Eight. I sat out John Kerry versus George Bush because I was just not doing well personally. Um, (laughs) But I would have voted for John Kerry. But this is the first time I've ever been like, I don't know. what. I mean, I know what my plan is, but 
I've never needed a plan before. I've never had to ask questions about like, is my vote going to be counted? Like what kind of plan do I need to make in order for my vote to be counted? A lot of really wild questions. And Kat, I'm going to throw it to you first because you brought it up and you phrased it very well in your email. But, you know, one, what is your plan personally? And two, what are you hearing from people? What are your kind of thought, general thoughts and concerns just about the act of voting, which is really kind of the most basic fundamental right that we have in this country? So... Glad you brought that up. Quick backstory. I just recently moved to another place. So my ballot was like lost in the mail and everything. And they had to actually create a whole new ballot because I changed cities. So I didn't have to see Oakland stuff. Now I see like Fremont stuff, you know, of like who was running for local. So that was a long process. And that killed me because I was hoping to vote like the first week of October. So seeing people going, oh, I'm dropping my stuff in the ballot. It's like, I want to vote. I recently just got it like Friday. So today I actually uh, filled mine out, dropping it off. So I was, yes. Wait, I felt you, drop, you did drop it off? Or you're I'm dropping it off in the morning, okay. but I, I spent like 90 minutes studying because I was like, I don't know these local people. So I had to actually do a lot of research and the California ballot has a lot of props and measures. And I just really want to just take the time to be like, eh, you know, um, but I will say, I don't know if you could talk about who's on the presidential ballot, but just looking at it, I think you see a name and it just made me bust out laughing. But I don't know. And, if, and, 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 I which, laugh too. and which name? And you which laugh too? Okay. Yep. Can we talk about that? Is that legal or I not? I would love to talk about it. I don't know. Because it's well, like, it's legal to take a picture of a ballot. You can talk no, about it on the ballot, right? You can talk about it. You I just didn't also, know. Also, I don't know my rights. I'm going to know more. Watch out. Watch your back. Only like maybe 15 states have where you can't take a photo of like the ballot. Right. That's why I was like. California I don't want to get about it. Okay. Cat, Cat, you're talking about Mr. West, right? Yeah. So, um, in the is it American Independent Party? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Kanye yeah. Omari yeah. West is running yep. for vice president with some other dude, and I bust out laughing hella hard. I was not prepared because you know, reading the you news, hear about this? he was rushed. No, but I, I remember reading like he was rushing to get on ballots and that he didn't make it on most ballots. So I was like, oh, I won't see him on mine. But I didn't know he made it to the Californian one until I read the article this morning, and I was like, yeah, he made it to a dude. He like missed, I think, a few, but like most folks are like, no, thank you. Moving on. Right. But it was hilarious. It says it. Like, I want it. Whatever. I mean, it's funny seeing Donald Trump's name on it, too. But Kanye, too? Like, yeah. Yeah. But I thought the same thing when I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger's name on my ballot. I, I can like, only wow. imagine. I was like, yeah. this is real. This really is happening. <laughs> <laughs> but like, without Kanye, we wouldn't have gotten that moment where like someone took a photo of like the ballot that said Kanye's name and then... Jennifer Anderson commented that that's not funny. Make sure you vote. And then Kanye replied. He was like, friends was never funny. Wait, I missed that whole moment. What? Yes, I did see that. I, I, I only saw that. Oh, oh, and I was wow. like, no. Wow. That, that was good. Wow. That was good. That was hella good. Yeah. It's also like you can't argue with the truth. You know what I mean? So like Jennifer Aniston has no clapback. Like, it's true. You heard it here first. Friends was never funny. Can we just No, that I second that. Yeah, it just wasn't a funny show. Frasier. Frasier's where is that? <laughs> Frasier's funny. Seinfeld is funny. There were a lot of good shows in the 90s. Friends just didn't happen to be one of them. Yeah. 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 So were you tempted? I had to ask Kat because I'm like a bit of an anarchist. So anytime I have like an opportunity to like cause some trouble, I'm like a little tempted. Were you a little bit tempted to be like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll vote for Kanye. No, I actually was like, 
I laughed and then was like, hell no. <laughs> it went about my business. But I was just like, it just looked weird. But um, so yeah, I definitely fill up my ballot, dropping that off tomorrow. Um, most of my friends, and these are my friends that are in New York and in Georgia, last week, like all last week, they were standing in lines for two to three hours. My best friend uh, was in line for two hours in New York. And right when it was about her turn to go inside, these two old ladies just kind of cut her. And she was like, I'm going to let that happen because obviously they just, they're old, you know? But she said it was a whole experience. Like people were wearing their mask, you know, trying to stay a good six feet apart it was really hard because they were taking up so much space the line went the lines were just it went around the block around everything you know you have your little hustler vendors you know selling water and food it was like you know standing outside for like a concert it looked like those lines standing out for concerts and stuff but it wasn't it was just a vote and knowing like places in texas and and in the south i want to say like north carolina where they purposely made only one ballot box for to like a million people in their area. Like I can only imagine not even just the melon votes, but just when it comes to next Tuesday, those lines are going to be insane. And I'm just really concerned about how we had like primaries earlier this year. I remember in Georgia because Georgia was horrible of trying to, uh, when people stood all day to vote for their, you know, local people and, at seven o'clock, they tried to lock the doors and they weren't supposed to do that. And people had to like gang up on breaking down the door. And I remember they had to request some kind of formal request from someone higher up. And he was like, oh, I'll allow it. I'll allow them to keep the the, the polls open. And I was just like the audacity yeah. of these people, you know, because it's like we're doing our job. And you guys are, are those people up there willing this crazy power and preventing us from doing our job, you know, yeah. and that's just, it's just such a scam. And it's such a villain. It's such a villain thing to do, and especially when it comes to, again, this is the election of good and evil and um, how the villains are just like, it's just tr- movie traps and setups. True everywhere. villainy, true villainy. And I'm like, this is my fourth time in my entire life uh, voting. And so uh, this is the first time I'm just like, I've never seen so much drama ever. This might be the first of many for the rest of my life. I don't know. But knowing that I, I have the right, or as an American, we have the right to vote whoever we choose. The fact that, you know, I'm sure like so many years of voting, there's so many scams and whatever, but this was just like blatant in the, in the limelight, you know, the fact that in Florida, they passed a bill saying, if you did not pay your court fees, you cannot vote. So, you know, we all already know that if you are a felon or if you're in jail, you can't vote, which California is trying to change. But like in Florida, they're like, if you didn't even pay your court fees you can't you can't vote and other stuff like that and i'm like so secretly or i guess not secretly people in power are stripping our american rights like it's nothing so that they can have all the power and i'm just thinking like this is just the beginning if every if 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 things fall in its place this is just the beginning of you know just like just taking apart our uh our government 
It feels that way. Also, yeah. I mean, voter suppression obviously has been a problem, you know, since America has existed. Sort of American tradition right there. Yeah, right. right? I mean, we've, we've been at this for a long time, right? Voter suppression is not new, but it does feel a lot more out in the open than it used to in, in a lot of ways. I think in the way that you know, when people talk about Donald Trump, like, oh, my God, he's such a racist. People are like, well, you know, like this is a racist country. So we've always been racist. It's just he's just different because he just comes out and says it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so in some ways, and a lot of people have said this too, we're like, oh, like I prefer when the snake is out of the grass. Like I want to see it. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to know where you stand. Like in, in some ways, this like good versus evil kind of like apocalyptic vibe that's looming over this election feels a little bit more like, let's let it all out. Let's just right. let it all out. Like you're suppressing votes. People are pushing back against it. You know, like the idea that a polling place would look like people waiting for a concert is like actually kind of exciting to me. Do you know what I mean? Like even if the cause of it is like, oh, they're trying to suppress people's votes and we're in the midst of a pandemic and all these like really sad reasons. The fact that people like the reason lines at a concert are so long is because people love that artist. Like they want to see that show. You know what I mean? Like the reason people are sticking around in the line is like, even though the system is doing everything they can to suppress voters, people are still like, no, I'm not leaving because this is this thing is that important to me. And so, you know, again, everybody knows I'm an optimist to the point of being naive. So I always like see silver linings, even, you know, in like very, very dark situations, maybe where I shouldn't. But that's my takeaway is just like, yeah, people are waiting for three hours. Yeah, there's a line around the block. Like when I was a kid, you only ever saw people like waiting in a line around the block when like a new Jordan came out. You know what I mean? Like it still happens. (laughs) I mean, it still happens. And there's nothing wrong with waiting in line for a new sneaker. But like you should also wait in line to vote. And it looks like both of those things are happening now. And like that's like very comforting to me. This is very true. So I am curious, Marlon Raymond, like just you know, off the top, I'll start with you, Marlon, just because you're I'm looking in my Zoom windows. This is what we do all the time now, look in our Zoom windows. Your voting plan, your, you know, where are you in the process? How has it been to this point? Like what how did you approach this? I voted about a week ago. Uh, actually, maybe more than that. I got it. Re- I got it like, thinking like maybe in the first or second week of October. Like it was real. I got it real quick. And then uh, I sent it out immediately. I, the day I heard that when Corona hit, I knew it was going to change a lot of things. And so I knew that come election year, I would do, you know, vote by mail. So I made sure to register beforehand. And my, my fiance did the exact same thing. So we, we got our mail in the, our, we got our mail in. I also, like Cat, uh, hadn't looked up any of the local people in the area, but um, I'm a part of this, like, I'm a part of many Facebook groups and one of them has to do with like being Berkeley and being a person of color. And I guess there was a a bunch of community leaders of the community came together and they like produce like a vote sheet of like, here's what you vote, vote black. And so I took that and I did my own, of course, my own extra work because now I have, I have the liberty of like sitting down at my kitchen table, opening up the ballot, looking at a name, searching the person's name in that moment, taking my sweet time and voting like that. But yeah, it definitely helped to have like a community of people with, you know, similar ideologies that produce for the community. Like, hey, spread this out. Here are some people that are not only, you know, community focused, but people focused. And we're going to make sure that we get funded the way we're supposed to get funded. So that was cool to have that. But yeah, I mean, I know that my mom she also voted by mail early, but also know there are a couple of folks, friends of mine who were like, I'd rather do it in person day of 
then like mail it in. Cause I mean, a lot of folks, you know, due to social media or do whatever, they're definitely a little apprehensive about, you know, mail-in voting. So I have a lot of friends that are like, I'm going to wait until then. And then I'll wear my mask. I'll take off work and I'll get the real in. I'll submit it. Yeah. I mean, I think that those fears are legitimate. You know, I've, I've talked on this show before about the primary election in New York, specifically in New York city. Um, where a lot of those ballots were not counted. You know, a lot of the mail-in ballots, you know, they have cutoff times. A lot of us learned this lesson in 2000. So I think a lot of people who are voting now, if you're like the right age, you remember what happened in 2000 and that that really was like a stolen election in a lot of ways and the very deceitful slash clever ways that um, the evil empire found ways to be like, oh, this ballot doesn't count because this, like the piece of paper you punched out wasn't like punched hard enough. You know, like all, we, we, everybody learned the phrases hanging chat, you know, like how can you interpret a voter's intent? And then, you know, it goes all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court is stacked with Republicans. So you know what I mean? Like it was, 2000 was terrible. I'm not trying to be like old man on the porch. You'd be like, you don't know what it was like 20 years, but like really, really, we got a very important lesson and we thought, man, this voting system in this country is messed up. We got to do something about it. And then we never did anything. And now we're like back in the same situation, which is a very classic American thing to be like, hey, we got to do something about this. And then we don't do anything and then it happens again. Basically, that's our whole history, you know. Um, So those concerns are real. I'm glad to hear that you were one of those people that was like, let me just get this out of the way right away. As soon as possible. Uh, It sounds like, you know, in a lot of ways, the best option. But I also understand people that you're talking about who feel like, nah, I got to do it day of. I think like the coolest thing about that process is that um, I know that if you, while you were either pre-registering or looking at your registration, that I think was, there was an option for them to alert you via email once your ballot had been deposited at the proper location. So like a couple, I think maybe two weeks later, we got like an email saying, great, um, Marlon, your ballot was submitted on time or submitted to the person. And then my fiance got hers saying, great. Camille, yours was received at this person at this time. So that's helpful, but I'm not sure if all states are offering, hey, we'll confirm with the polling place that your actual ballot made it there. Yeah. So I, I get like, I feel like, you know, we're in a state that, you know, has the capability to be like, we're going to have this automated, but if you're a state like Georgia, they're going to do all they can to keep it antiquated. So you'll probably mail it in and then you'll just, unless you're, you know, buying your own separate envelope and trying to mimic with the location on the outside of it, you're not getting any confirmation. Yeah. I mean, that's a very important point too. Just like every state has its own flavor of like voter suppression slash encouragement. So, you know, anecdotally, here we are, we're like a bunch of California voters and a New York voter kind of like talking about our experiences. And like, you know, I have felt supported so far in my process, but you know, each state government runs things its own way. And there are a lot of places in this country that are, you know, not on board. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like not doing everything they can to make sure everybody who wants to vote can vote. And there's a lot of dark histories there, but I think it is, I'm not alone in saying like, it will be very important to pay attention to other states in the union that are not California, that are not New York and find out what they're doing to either encourage or suppress people. And those are the kind of states where it's going to come down to it anyway. You know, I mean, I won't have give a whole speech about the electoral college and how, like, if you live in California, New York, it doesn't really matter because California, New York, 
they're just going to go for Biden anyway. You know, it's like I'm not saying that to discourage anybody from voting because voting is important for all the reasons you guys have already listed local elections and just like, you know, doing your civic duty and you know having your voice be heard. Um, but there is that like last hang up where it's like there are about like six states in this national election that are that are going to decide it probably just pennsylvania and florida you know what i mean <laughs> if you really michigan will be really big too yeah michigan yeah, michigan yeah, i feel like yeah, michigan yeah. might be learning its lesson though but we'll see you know you never yeah. know who knows man every time i say i think somebody learned their lesson then they kind of turn around and prove me wrong <laughs> so true <laughs> yeah uh so uh yeah raymond same question really i'm just curious what the process was or is going to be like for you and your thoughts approaching this what your voting plan is it's very privileged to live in California when it comes to voting. Um, but the um, I dropped off my ballot today uh, at the thing. I like to uh, I like to do it. I think it's the second time I've dropped it off. I think the the last Clinton Trump election, I just dropped it off at the ballot box on the day of because I like to I like to hand it in and like so I did, I feel more comfortable knowing it got there because I I put it in a little box at the voting place. Yeah. Um, I made sure to do it at least a little early this time, but the, yeah, I, I have family in Georgia and Florida and a lot of my family in Florida has already voted. Um, I am actually not sure about my Georgia family, but I just know that it's just, they're going to str- struggle a little bit there, but the numbers are, are so close. I keep seeing polls that are like, it's completely even in Georgia and stuff right now. So I mean, that's kind of revolutionary, isn't it? Like Georgia, really, we've always thought of as a red state that's voted Republican no matter what. Like the fact that it's even even doesn't that I mean, again, am I being? Yeah, no, it's big. It is. It's a change that has been coming for a long time. And I I still me personally, I still feel like it's going to go. It's going to end up going red because of the people in charge in that state and the things we've seen them try to do for suppression over the past couple of years because um, the governor election. Centuries. Yeah, or centuries, but like the, just, but even so recent as that governor election that there was a lot of suppression in. Um, so they, um, so I still feel like it's going to go red, but it's getting harder and harder for them to hold that up without cheating, because um, Atlanta is just getting so big and has been so uh, Democratic blue or whatever you want to call it for so long that blue, yeah. yeah, it's going to get it's going to get really hard for them to hold that back. Um, it's going to be Virginia before you know it. Uh, at least what I'm hoping uh, next 10 yeah. years or so. It looks that way. I mean, I think it particularly since like North Carolina has been in play since Obama's first election. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, whatever I'm from California, so I'm, I don't want to make any blanket statements about the South, but there's just like a long tradition of just like assuming like the South is just like, that's it. They're just red. We got to accept that reality and move on. So it's very exciting for me just to watch over the last 10 or 12 years, like how that map has been redrawn and it just how it reflects how that region has changed. You know what I mean? Particularly because of what you're saying about Atlanta and who has become prominent and who now has a political voice who didn't used mm-hmm. to. You know? And it's South Carolina, it, like, is on this verge of like it almost seems like Lindsey Graham was about to lose this Senate this Senate election. He's um, getting worried. He's he's, 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 he's stressed. Confirmation hearing to complain about stressed. it. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been really he's been obviously stressed on TV and um, <laughs> uh, and like yeah we've we've talked maybe we haven't but like uh, Virginia has just been Virginia is an entirely different state mm-hmm. like government official wise than it probably was ten years ago like. Yeah. 
because uh, they I think the Democratic Party holds every major mm-hmm. like the government body in that state now. So, um, yeah, it's just crazy. They're, they're, like you said, the South is changing. Um, it'll be longer for Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas to see those changes. But, <laughs> but at least like the east side of, of the South is 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 transforming. Yeah. So the coastal South, the coastal yeah. South is, is having a moment of transition. Yeah. It's also, you know, in terms of demographics, very interesting to think about, you know, your point about Atlanta and how like Atlanta has gotten so big and so successful and has become such a kind of special place in America in terms of what it what it is now and its growth because it suggests I mean it doesn't even suggest it it illustrates this idea that like it's kind of not really about like red states or blue states anymore it's about like urban areas and like suburban areas and rural areas which is a reframing you know like in 2004 it was just like red state blue state red state blue state you know and now it's so targeted that like you know Joe Biden is like, how can I appeal to like suburban women? Do you know what I mean? Like, because we know that cities are going to go blue, rural areas for the most part are going to be Republican voters and like, like suburban areas are kind of on the verge. And what happened in Virginia, I think is due to like, you know, the DC suburban land, you know, like people who are metropolitan work in the city, highly educated, you know, like have their own political leanings. Like that's a big part of why Virginia has changed too. You know, again, I'm not going to go off about the electoral college, but like states are very diverse places. You know what I mean? Like we think, oh, California is so liberal. California is a blue state. It's like, well, you know, you only have to drive a couple hours in any direction before you like you do see a Trump sign or like, mm. you know what I mean? Like California, well, it, it'll, it'll be more than one too. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Right. And people would be surprised to hear that and be like, no, all these States are that way. And I, I would say the same thing, even about these kind of deep South States where you say like, Oh, Alabama. And like, we just, Oh, they're just always gonna be ready. And be like, well, you know what? You go into the cities, like there are universities there, there are urban centers, there are like, you know, educated black voters. Like there's just a lot of other energies that we ignore because we think about elections in terms of States, you know, which is really so arbitrary, but we've kind of been conditioned to think about it that way. And that's the last thing I'm going to say about the Electoral College tonight. But the Electoral College is trash. Okay, fine. I'm going to say something else again, but that really is the problem here, man. Like, honestly, we've been saying it forever. Like, the Electoral College is trash. It's got to go. And I don't know what's going to happen in this election, but I kind of think no matter what happens, it's going to be a very challenging time for us, for everybody, you know, to really, like, we're forced to confront and reckon with our democracy and the weaknesses, I would like to think that no matter what happens, it will force us to reckon with the electoral college. And then that's the last thing for now I'm going to say about the electoral college. Yeah. I do. It's a, go ahead. ahead. I just, it's going to be scary out of just uh, the viewpoint of the electoral college. um, Just, it, it, it is, it leaves this opportunity open for um, so many weird things to happen once we hit, these next couple of weeks um, after the election ends. Um, I was listening to uh, um, some information recently on like a whole what if scenario that this this, uh, group did with like uh, people from from 
both sides where they like played a game to like, what if the election was like, ends up like this? What would either side do? And it's just, it's wild what kind of possibilities are going to exist out there. <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, like somebody needs to do a choose your own adventure kind of flow chart about like, you know, if Biden wins the popular vote, but Trump wins the electoral car, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. then it will go to this circuit court, you know, and yes, then there, yeah, there will yeah. be a and That's kind of what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they, they had they they had the riots factored in. They had electoral. Yeah. They had uh, what's the when they call it when the the people that go the electorates go and they don't vote for the person that quote unquote they were supposed oh, yeah, to vote yeah, yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of a term to call them right now, but the, they were like, "What if this happens in that amount of states?" And uh, yeah. yeah, it's going to be interesting. Because that's the other thing. And here I am talking about the electoral college again. Yeah, just, sorry, that was my fault. No, 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 it's not your fault. I'm so glad you did it because now I have an excuse to say what I really want to say, which is like the fundamental flaw is like those electoral votes what's coded in our language in our founding documents is like they can vote for whoever they want. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of supposed to just do what the people said that they should do. But if it really gets down to it, you know what I mean? Like they are just individuals who can change that electoral vote, which conceptually just seems, you know, I think initially as a foundational document, it was like, Oh yeah. Like, like, democracy is great, but mob rule is like a little scary, right? So like, what if everybody in the whole country was like, yeah, we got to be a fascist country, you know, like, and whatever, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe it's not going to happen. But I think the thinking was like, oh, we need the electoral college because we need like somebody or some people in the way of like how democracy could end up being mob rule. But that just doesn't really happen that way. And all it really means is that there's a fail safe. If you really want to fix the system, there's one final thing you could do where like even after everybody in America votes for the other guy, you could still be like, ah, nah, we're still we're going to go the other way. You know what I mean? Like we did everything we could to suppress voting. It didn't work. So we're just going to do it ourselves. <laughs> and that's the other thing that's wrong with the electoral college. Um, Kat, I want to come to you. This is actually something that um, Raymond suggested, I think, it's maybe the second most important thing to talk about, but I, I want to start with you because I'm curious to hear your thoughts. The way that Raymond phrased it is, you know, it's, it's, it'll be important for us to talk about how this election is predicted to take some time to be decided, right? Like we've all kind of accepted that we're not going to know who the new president is before we go to bed on Tuesday. Right. You know what I mean? Which right. is a weird thing for all of us to accept anyway. Like, why Why have we all just been like, well, I guess we're just not going to know this time. Like, first of all, how did we reach that level of complacency? Right. And then second of all, you know, how both sides are going to spin it, you know, and to what extent are they already preparing, you know, their talking points about how and why this election is going to be decided by courts or whatever. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm curious. It's a very open ended question, obviously, Kat, but I am curious, like, to hear your thoughts about like, what does that mean, first of all, to be voting in an election where you're like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to know. You know what I mean? Like, that's just right. that's a bizarre concept to me. Well, it kind of reminds me, like, I mean, I was a child at the 2000 uh, election, um, but it kind of reminds me of that because wasn't that the election or the bone before where people didn't know who was really the president until, you know, Florida? Yeah, that was 2000. That, that was, was 2000. That was before, yeah. And so no one knew, but they said it was Bush, you know? Yeah, they called it for Bush. Well, you know, Gore even gave a concession speech that, that right. You know, like, and the people said that was his biggest mistake. Like, if he had just not given a concession, did not give it up, it would have been a lot. You know, and I was like, that's a terrible lesson to learn. <laughs> but you know, it was also like the, it was the network's fault 
also that year because they just start. It's like a horse they race. The gun. They yeah, they definitely stage, jumped the gun. Yeah, they definitely jumped the gun. Like, oh, Florida's going for Trump. You know, I mean, Trump, <laughs> the last guy. <laughs> Florida's going. going Florida's, Florida's going for Bush. And then everybody was like, "Damn it!" And they turned off their TVs because they just trusted CNN to be like, "Well, right. CNN said it. It must be true." It was a simple time. It was a simple it, time. It, it was a simple time. So yeah, I mean, I guess that premise. That's all. Like, even though that was twenty years ago, I think it is hopefully fresh in a lot of people's minds. Like, first of all. You know, networks don't be premature about it. But yeah, we've been through this before. You know, do you have like, what do you think happens next? Right. Like everybody goes to vote. Everything's great. And then what do you think is going to happen Tuesday night before you go to bed? So this is this scares me because, you know, four years ago, we didn't take Trump seriously. And, um, you know, we were like, oh, you know, Hillary's going to get it. Oh, the whole phrase was, I guess, girl, I guess, you know, she's going to get it. <laughs> and so I was like, I remember being up with my friends watching the election results. You know, we're drinking, getting drunk, like, yeah, we're just pre-celebrating. And the minute, I want to say it was like after midnight our time, because I think that was the time when they were like, okay, most of the votes are in. And they were like, Donald Trump is the predicted word. I, I kid you not. I got sober in five seconds. I was like, no, they're lying. They're lying. We were screaming through voice chat, like, nah, nah, they're lying. And they're like, Donald. And then this is when I live like in downtown Oakland. So I already started hearing like the noise of chaos. It just was quiet. And then it was just like like gunshots and, and and fireworks and and looting and and helicopters all within the next 10 minutes after announcing that like i will never forget that and i was like nah they're lying they're lying we'll find out maybe by tomorrow or, or in a few weeks you know but it was true yeah. well true, true. You know? true. Uh, yeah. and so i'm just nervous like you know, I do like to pick on these people in our government, how they, you know, yeah, they make more money than us and they make big decisions, but they're not really that smart, you know? So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, surprised if it was similar like that, if it had to go. Cause I mean, there's two ways. And if that was the way it would go exactly like that, where it's like, it looks like Biden's in the lead by, Oh, but Trump took it. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, you know, but I'd be like, I knew it because. But is that like, do you think that's an answer? No matter, no matter which answer that we're going to get Tuesday night or Wednesday or Thursday or November. If if Biden won, it'd be like a woo. And then I could be like, I could sleep sleep a little bit easier, but then it's whatever, you know, starting next year, whatever that looks like, you know, then I would be worried. Now, this is something I would be concerned. If Trump does lose, you know, I would be worried in what he has in store for the month of December up to the day he has to, you know, get out the White House. Because then he, because it reminds me of, it's the opposite of what Obama did. When Obama was like, damn, I got to sign the keys over to this dude. Let me do all this good shit before I leave, you know? He did so much, like, really just great things within that last month. And then within Trump's first month, he undid all that. So I was just like, it is interesting that, you know, we all know how Trump is. We know how he's a sore loser. We know how he's very immature. I would be concerned if, yay, uh, the blue side won, but the month of December, oh my gosh, it's going to be a mess of what he is going to try to set up for 
his opponent to like undo because yeah. that's just he's messy like that he i mean he was in reality uh tv yeah. forever so that's something i can see him doing and i am nervous that that would affect us and people that we care about a lot you know yeah but it's a uh, yeah point. it actually makes me think you know up until this point i've been like oh god i'm not going to be able to go through a whole month of november a whole month of december not knowing and all that like drama that happens in the court and blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like, maybe that'd be better because Trump will be so busy trying to fight that fight that he won't have time to do anything before he gets out of there. (laughs) I mean, like, it's like, finally, like let that fight, drag that fight out until Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? And then finally be like, all right, okay, it's Biden. And then Trump only has a week to just like, you know what I mean? And he's so disorganized. He probably didn't have a list of things he wants to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. just calling his friends like, hey, Steve Bannon, like, what should I, what's the crazy racist, most racist thing I could do before I leave? And then right. they'll like do that. But the other comforting thing in terms of transition of power, and I, you know, I thought this about Obama, like when Obama was in office, he did a lot of very good things, but you know, he didn't have like friendly Congress. So he couldn't really get a lot of things passed. Like Affordable Care Act is probably like the only thing that he actually legitimately passed through Congress. Everything else that people really liked that he did was an executive order, mm-hmm. you know, and executive orders don't really stand. Once you're gone, you know, the next president can undo it. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why our head was spinning when Trump came in. We're like, oh, Trump is so evil. And it's like, yeah, Trump's evil. But the only reason he was able to undo all that stuff is because Obama did it as executive orders in the first place. And that's not really a criticism of Obama. I think he was just like, man, I I guess this is all I got left. But it also is very comfortable for me because so much of what Trump did was just an executive order. And whoever gets in there next is going to be like, man, that guy was crazy. And it'll be a lot easier for him to kind of wash him for us to wash him out of our hair. Do you know what I mean? Because he didn't really he didn't really do anything. Like, I'm not trying to have a whole conversation about, like, you know, Trump's presidency, blah, blah, blah. For all we know, he's going to have another four years, you know, but like. Like he's so disorganized and just never really learned how to use Congress or actually like do anything meaningful that he like he cut taxes. You know, he he got some Supreme Court picks. That's obviously those things are very problematic. But like in terms of like a lasting legacy, it's just gonna be like, man, that guy was just like a terrible, awful racist that made us all fight for four years. And like, let's just forget about it and move on. Do you know what I mean? Like, what is the lasting legacy of a Trump? I I hope. I hope it isn't his asylum practices or his or the COVID-19, how he didn't do nothing. That's going to be a legacy with him for the rest of his. That's going to be in textbooks. I just I just hope his everything that his administration has done to really reduce asylum and make make all the asylum practices at the southern border really bad. I hope that isn't a lasting legacy either. Right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, also here, I'm going to be controversial real quick and just say, like, yeah, dude, Trump's immigration policies are atrocious but you know like democrats have kind of been doing that for a long time right you know what i mean like like obama was a really really unfriendly to immigrants we don't really talk about that very often but no, like those true. are policies that they put in place and very similar to the way that we go after democrats for like oh my god you guys fully enabled mass incarceration mm-hmm. like biden did it clinton did it um you know it's like that's kind of true for democrats in terms of immigration too because they're so like afraid of being like appearing as soft they're like, ooh, I got to be even tougher than Republicans on immigrants. Right. Like, or they do it tougher. undercover. Yeah, or they do it. Because Obama did it way. undercover a lot. He and did. it's like, yeah, I, I see you. 
I see yeah, you. We, we, we really let him slide on that, man. And I, and I kind of feel bad about it because all of a sudden everybody's like, yo, immigration is like a serious problem. They're like putting people in cages and they're like raiding right. homes and businesses. And I was like, Drones, bro, this, so. I was like, this was going on for eight years and we didn't really say anything. My, my analogy, though, is Obama was cutting at our arm with a butter knife and Trump has yeah. been cutting at our arm with a butcher knife when it comes yeah. to that, though. Like it yeah. has been it has certainly been worse. But or we can use that original snick reference, a snake in the grass or a snake out in the open. Yeah, yeah, that's true. yeah, yeah. That's like true. It, it has certainly been worse, but I, yes, you're right. It did. It's something that Biden has to. He's been saying big things about how he's going to change that and do that better than when he was vice president under Obama. But he has to do it also if he gets in the office. Right. Well, well it's like all the things he's like projected. Mostly, all of his party can agree with him. If they get the majority, they can push you like his environmental thing. But if you think about it, he's pushing the environmental thing, potentially his health plan, and potentially um, like some other nonsense that all people know he can get us back into. Like he can get us back into the Paris Accord. He can get us back into yeah. you know really good at being NATO. But all those things existed prior to Trump anyway. Right. So yeah, what he's promising is, is I'll change two things and then everything else will be back to normal. Yeah, status quo. And like, what's normal? Normal is the status quo. Normal is what we were yeah. complaining about four years ago anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing really that's changed to me that I'm like a little optimistic about, and this is where we have to give Trump credit, is like he made people so upset and activated like the political minds of so many people that so many, so many more of us are paying attention and asking for real solutions than we were before that. Like, it's very easy to kind of go to sleep in the Obama years and be like, oh, you know what? I like this guy. Like, I trust him. Like, let him do whatever he wants, kind of, you know, and it is to have to deal with someone who's like an actual monster and then say like, well, if I don't believe in him, what do I believe in? I believe in reforming the immigration system. I believe in, you know, like fighting against climate change in a meaningful way on a government level. Like, I believe in healthcare for all. Like, you know what I mean? Like, in some ways, like Trump kind of lit a fire under people who like identify as like left or liberal so that whoever comes in next, if they are a democratic president, like they have the like a political will to answer to. Cause we weren't really asking for anything from Obama. We were just like, Hey, will you be president? You know what I mean? Like that's all we asked him to do. Will you be president and like not start another war in the Middle East for no reason? Like that was the only things that we asked of Obama. But like, up against McCain that first time, right? Yep. Right. Yeah. And Sarah yeah. Palin. Yeah. Oh, Palin. She seems so like such not a threat now. You know what I mean? Like at the time, like Palin was like, oh my God. Have you looked at the past Republican people and compared them to Trump and be like, man, they weren't so bad after all compared to this dude? I thought that about a lot of people, but the one person I didn't think that about was George W. Bush. Every time people were like, oh man, George W. Bush doesn't look too bad. I was like, nah, man, George W. Bush was worse because he was organized. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't organized. He had Cheney yeah. telling him, like, all right, you got to do this now. He's like, okay, is crazy. His administration, I yes, should say, Palpatine. his administration was organized. He was like, hey, we've been working in a think tank for the last 60 years about a project for a new American century. All you got to do is invade a bunch of countries in the Middle East, you know, create a surveillance state while everybody's looking the other way, um, and then we'll be good. And then he did it. 
You know what I mean? Like Trump could never do a plan like that. No, his yeah. administration could never. He doesn't even everybody's leaving his White House every other week. So he doesn't <laughs> even have the same people in there. All the smart people, even the conservatives, are like, yo, we're just going to wait for the next guy. We're just going to go back and make our, our smart plan about taking over the world and killing brown people all over the planet. And we'll just sure. save it for the next Republican president. Who's with well, that's true. Bush had a Bush had actual professionals at their job. Killers. And his, and his cabinet. It's a great, like, Colin Powell, you were in the military, you got an extensive record, you were a four-star general, yeah. you're going to be on, on, on this defense board. Tommy and, like, Rice, right? like, he, damn, a damn picks. evil genius. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got a reality TV show on it. But, I mean, I mean, she was on TV. But uh, I think it's amazing the fact that, um, you know, like, yeah, Bush, as dumb as he was, he was, his party made sure that he was tapped to pick the best people, yeah, to like you know, not implode with the country. Yeah. And I feel like looking at Trump, it yeah. looks like Trump was like, "I like them, I like them too." And it's like, "Great, what are you good at? Oh, you're a doctor. You would have been in charge of housing." Uh, what are you, <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> he doesn't know anything about this. Why? Why is Doctor Ben Carson? <laughs> Ahead, the, the head of us. I'm surprised. Actually, I'm not surprised he's held he's, a job this long in that, in that administration. That so take it's, like, it's like, did he ever express while he was doing surgery on someone? You know what I really love? Talking about housing. It's fantastic. Housing. You know? got a real housing. Like, how did you get this? Yeah. Like, also, then you also, he has like Betsy DeVos. He has people that either he knows or people that he owes money to or that he hangs Jeez. out with. Yeah, so like, all these people mm-hmm. are just a, a reflection of him. Someone who's ill-prepared and ill-equipped to handle the job that they've gotten, but they've either failed up nepotism, whiteness, or they're just tagging along. Yeah, they and just they're, literally they're tagging right there along. at the right time, you know, or exactly. like you know, or, or you just like you were one of the first people to endorse him, you know, mm-hmm. like that's that's what we had, you know, he who shall not be named, Mr. Sessions. Uh, was just like he just happened to be like the guy who was crazy enough to be like you know what I like Donald Trump and then Trump was like hey you know what I I, I remember people who stuck up for me early on you're going to be the attorney general and, and then, then he was like to tear that man apart of course like he, he was did. his like worst friend it's like did. what is this y'all were hugging each other and being all nice and now it's like no he's ill equipped for the job and an idiot <laughs> yeah loyalty is the president's number one requirement in everyone around him and he He's never exhibited loyalty to anyone else. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Madness. No. Yeah. That's Absolutely literally madness. Um, so I do, you know, Raymond, you had another good point in here just about the explosion of voter registration and like all these numbers about early turnout. You know, when you sent this message, a lot of things have changed because people started voting and there are crazy numbers. Um, but, I, you know, I'm curious, like, what does that mean? Is this a thing? Is that a sign that we should be really excited because a lot of people have become politicized by this Trump administration, which was kind of my argument or like, you know, should we just be happy and not ask any questions about it? Like, what is the significance? I'll I'll put it to you first, Raymond, because it was your question, but I am like very curious, like, what is our takeaway from that? Like everybody's trying to vote. Is that just because we all have a common enemy or not? We all, but many, many, many people in this country have a common enemy. It's it's at least partially that. Um, and I want to say it's completely that because even um, uh, I, obviously this group is at the moment a more like liberal bunch of people having a conversation about this politicized, at least in this conversation today, this year in this political election. And like, um, but I would argue that the people on the other side of the line are 
the are feeling the exact same way like they feel so uh challenged or attacked or or like are just behind their guys so much that like they we don't know if the voter registration numbers are like all because everyone's trying to gather up against trump or or maybe it's 50 50 and, and everyone's trying to gather up against trump and everyone's trying to gather up to back them up um it really leads me to my thoughts on like it 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 goes back it goes to my thoughts of like what we're gonna see in the first week after this election and like mm-hmm. i feel like there's i feel like i feel like there's there's the most the most logical place that we're gonna end up in the first week is just this muddled gray we don't know who won like 12 of the 50 states and it's which is gonna be huge to like sit and wait and see um while all the people coming in that night that it's easier to count are probably everyone all the political scientists are saying that's going to go red because it always goes red which is going to lead the trump clan to start saying well you know that was the that's what matters and all these other votes coming in are are like fraudulent votes and yada 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 and like it's just going to be it's just going to be a bloodbath i think there's a chance that one side, because of all these voter registration numbers and all these early voting, they can count a little bit faster. And one side feels like one's going to be winning over the other a little bit stronger. But I still feel like no matter which side that ends up being, there's going to be enough confusion in enough states where it's just going to come down to like, like just who's the judge, right? Who's like the, who's yeah, the judge who in makes the state? call? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. But it's not going to go to Supreme Court right away. Like it's going to come down to, to like it's going to come down to local local courts oh, no. and like um, uh, recounts and like. But most of them, Trump put in Trump appointed them. Though. Yeah. Also, yeah. no, you're 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 correct about some of that. Are they? Gonna, yeah, they can just kind of throw out votes where they want to here and there, and like yeah. they have tried Challenge to put it. in some legislation to like defend some of those things. But mm-hmm. and even if it gets that far, then. And, you know, you still you got big boy college coming in where people can just do what they want to do at the end of the day. So yeah. um, it's a uh, it's going to be really close. It's going to be it's not going to be. I I hope your optimism comes through uh, on this one, because I feel like we're going to see a really like we're going to have a really hard, pessimistic time for like two weeks in November and maybe longer. Um, yeah. And I really hope I'm wrong in that statement. And we can come back after a couple of weeks and be like, yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, that's a, I, I please let me be wrong. But it just yeah. it feels like it's going to be so confusing of a time. Um, I almost feel like irrelevant, like, let's, let's say the numbers, right? Like, let, let's just say that numbers are overwhelming. Let's say Biden landslide, right? Like Biden was Georgia. Biden was everything. This guy, like Trump doesn't go down easy in anything. Like the, the facts are, are irrelevant to that person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The closer the election, like the worse it'll be. Correct. Uh, and, but there's no such thing as a guaranteed win, even if he won every single, even if Biden won every single there's a There's at least he has going for him that if he wins enough, if he wins in a landslide, quote unquote, um, yeah, he's going to fight tooth and nail and go down go down crying like the child that he likes to pretend to be most of the time. But he, there's at least... Biden will have the numbers on his side where like that should be an easier fight um, yeah. than and honestly, it's the same goes for if Trump is 
it comes out with that much of a landslide, quote unquote, um, is it like it'll just be easier for the Trump team to spin that in the right direction um, yeah. than than it will be if it's really close. Yeah. Well, that was the problem with Bush v. Gore is that it really was that close. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there, it wasn't just like, we're going to hijack the democratic process. Like they did all their work, you know, to suppress voters and it worked. So it made it a razor thin uh, election. And, if and it it's is, honestly been like the past like 30 years of elections have just been that close on like, like there's been a few outliers that have been really strong in one direction. Like one of the Obama wins was yeah, pretty Romney, large in his favor. Mitt Romney did not do very well. Mitt Romney, no. kind of, he got worked. <laughs> right. And like, I think the second Bush, Bush Kerry, I think was pretty heavy in Bush's favor. Yeah. Um, if I remember correctly, but yeah. a lot of the rest of the elections in that time period have just all been incredibly close. If not, the popular vote conflicts with the Electoral College. And so, which, it will, which it will no matter what. It has historically. What, Kat, go ahead. Yeah. That just reminds me of a lot of articles coming out saying that how Trump is going to act if he doesn't win. I'm sure you guys have seen those headlines. I feel, yeah. I feel, I feel yeah. like I've read his words and known, and oh, I yeah. can see how like, yeah. he's yeah. literally yeah. like, I'm not going to accept it. Like he said that. And so yeah. <laughs> you might not be too. Fraud. He says there's right. only two options, either I win or there's voter fraud. Right. <laughs> those, oh, those are the only two options. It's the only two is on that could possibly explain what has happened. And uh, I'm just added on to Ray's sad but very potential uh, theory that could yeah, be I happening. Yeah, I mean, the X factor. You know, like even in Bush v. Gore, like, you know, George Bush, both of them, they were very civil. Do you know what I mean? Like Bush wasn't coming out and being like, you know, Gore is a criminal and, you know, this was stolen. You know, he was he was a dummy. So somebody just wrote him a very smart speech where he was like, well, you know, we have to let the the system play out and and we'll see where this goes. And I'm happy to accept the results, knowing damn well it was going to be fixed in his favor. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, but this dude doesn't want to do that kind of messaging. He's not content to just let the system be corrupt. He has to also just be like dancing on the grave of a son of a bitch like every every second of the day do you know what i mean yeah so, and it's like, that's level of unpleasantness that's the scary part i yeah. you were cat you were talking about living in downtown oakland last year for this that's where i am literally right now so like Ugh. it's it's just it's gonna get nasty out there it's not gonna hopefully it doesn't get nastier than back in 2016 uh, or or um when was george floyd was that um June, that, was, that was a few May. months ago. That was like years, but that was months ago. May, June, like it was yeah. pretty. It was. It was. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. curious uh, if we had compared those time periods, if they were. Yeah. It was. Very it similar. probably is very similar. So hopefully, it doesn't well, get that. That I am very <laughs> interested. I did want to talk about like what kind of civil unrest we can expect. Like again, I'm not a doomsday person, but I am like curious to think about what people's responses are going to look like worst thing possible let's go like okay i'm gonna start with something that's not the worst thing possible which is just a little thought exercise um which something my brother told me because my brother lives in la and he's like he's always said like god i hope the lakers don't win the championship this year i was like oh you don't like the lakers he's like i don't care about the lakers he's just like it's like people riot more when they win than when they lose, you know what I mean? Like, like in the, in the like sport, San Francisco in, in, teams. in the sports context, that's true. Anytime, like, yeah. a, like, you know, and, and sports and politics, are a lot Austin of would agree with you too. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <my God. laughs> like when your team loses, 
when your team loses, you just you just depressed. You get drunk. You go to sleep. You know what I mean? But like when your team wins, you just get this surge of adrenaline. You so it's like no matter who it is, I'm kind of thinking about Oakland. I'm saying like, okay, fine. Here's my you know scenario where Biden wins all 50 states, right? I'm like. Is, is every city in America just going to turn into like the Lakers just won the championship and people are setting bonfires in the street and like, yeah, like that fool is whack. He's out of here. Like they probably pretty, will. Yeah. That'd be unity at least. It would be. Yes, it would be. A, <laughs> I the beacons, Emi, the beacons. I think it, I think the it definitely, on because <laughs> if they deliver the news at night and it's like just that news, I think there's going to be too many actual Oakland natives celebrating Right. Uh, there are going to be Oakland rioters because I feel like it's always going to be like some kind of like, uh, you know, fringe group. But I feel like Oakland has had a protest that's like begun and ended peacefully. So I feel like it's, it would just be <laughs> well, one of those things where the it's local like, people. Yeah. Also, like, like if it's like true Oakland natives in celebration, it's just going to be folks getting drunk together in, in, the, street. in the street. It's going to remind me of being like down Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Yeah. People are going to be hand in hand, <laughs> yeah. like we did it. Like this is over, and they're going to get drunk and they're going to go to bed. Play the uh, song, exactly. However, if it goes the other way, I definitely do see potentially Oakland being like one of the beginning spots of just <laughs> public dissidents, and then also probably for the next following week uh, or so, there's going to be a lot of people. I'm sure DC is going to be on lockdown. Oh my gosh. Why? So so that's like kind of the pleasant scenario, but like there is a group of people we're forgetting, you know, and as we, again, it feels like a hundred years ago, but you know, as the George Floyd protests were kind of reaching their third act, you know, a month or two ago, there was this really bizarre and horrible phenomenon of kind of like alt-righty people going to protests to initiate violence with people, right? They're like shooting paintballs at people on the street. Like a lot of this Mm -hmm. was happening in Portland. We saw it in other American cities. And I wonder like if, you know, if there, if it is a contested election or Trump loses, does that mean that it, you know, as, as Trump said at the debate, he was telling his boys like be on hold. Like, you know, like, didn't he say that? Wasn't that his message to white stand by and stand back? Yeah. Yeah. Stand by. It's like, Oh, we don't need you yet. Right. He's like, he's like, we don't need you yet. Basically is what he's saying. Like you guys for now, just chill out. Like we're really going to need you on election day, you know, which is the message that I kind of got from that. And Mm. again, I don't want to be a doomsday person, but I wonder like, is that realistic? Is that me being paranoid? Like do, should we expect some kind of like bizarre alt-right, like blow, back violence like acts you know is it paranoid to expect it or are we just preparing ourselves for something I feel like in more split communities like if it's like a like an even split white black that'll they'll definitely flex a lot and I feel like if this place is like you know Staten Island or wherever where you know these people can you know meet in a crowd and feel safe to do so there's definitely going to be like some spur of the moment um rallies um what i'm mostly worried about is like are we going to see in those both places those locations if he loses something that something that's like tulsa-esque where you have folks just like white folks running down the street just attacking any and everybody because they're upset mm-hmm. you know yeah. Yeah. and i'm worried that we've gotten to that point now to where like you have a man that people are like so fervently behind and he's told them if I lose, they cheated and they stole this election from you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I think a while back I wanted to see like what kind of like mindset folks are in. So like I registered my email address to like get these Trump emails and like every single, he like 
Also, he emails people like five times a day in a different like, you know, message around. Usually it's two, two of the emails are about like getting money. Both three of them are like delivering messages to you about like how like the Democrats are stealing this election from us. Like if I win, like you should know that you as a, you as a proud American had your civil rights taken from you and they put someone else in, like literally yeah. he's sending these emails to people yeah. and painting this picture in their head. Like if something were to happen and you lose me, like someone did this to you and they're a Democrat and then people already associate, you know, being black and being Democrat. So can already see them be like, great. Like, you know, this happened and the Proud Boys start sharing messages like, yo, like, we're going to tear up this city. We're going to do such, such an activity. And you got folks just going up and down their street, just breaking windows and hurting people just to be hurting people. Yeah. I mean, your point about like divided communities, right? Like there's kind of like more room in a state that is more split politically for that kind of conflict. But and I used to think that, too. But I, and, and maybe maybe that's that maybe that's the case. But what I was struck by was what was happening in Portland, right? Like Portland is a very it's very white, but it's very, very liberal. Right. Like mm-hmm. intensely. That's like at the core of their identity. That is like a liberal city, you know, Um but people were traveling from like rural parts of the state well outside of Oregon. Alt-right identified Trump supporters would like mm-hmm. drive for hours in pickup trucks. They were like commuting in order to create, you know, like create chaos in communities, which was the first you know time I had thought. Of, you know, that happened in Kenosha, too. That guy drove all yeah, the way yeah. from Illinois to, Kyle. to shoot people mm-hmm. up. Um, you know, so it's like people are. Uh, a lot of people in this country are unwell, just like any place in any society. And, and all of our like, you know, anxieties or all of our like kind of mental illness or social frustrations or whatever now have just been completely trained on this political conflict and the way that we've been polarized. And that kind of added a different dimension for me where it's like, it's very different to just be like, let's say a city like Atlanta. That's a, that's a diverse place, right? A lot of black people, there's a lot of white people, there's a lot of, you know, Democrats, a lot of Republicans. Like that's the kind of place you would imagine conflicts like this might take place, unfortunately. But this is a different thing. If people are willing to like travel quote unquote, in order to wreak havoc, that, that feels a lot more like a, like a civil war. Do you know what I mean? Definitely (laughs) during COVID, like they don't care. I just feel like, we've become so complacent as Americans that I feel like it's gonna it'll happen in places and I don't feel like it'll be widespread like I think there'll be some bad places where maybe something will go down if things if they it's Murphy's Law if something can happen it will happen but like the I just feel like Americans are so lazy and like they just want to sit around and be angry on online and like (laughs) like, there's it like I just feel like we've just become so so complacent that I I hope you're right man all of us though you got folks who ain't got no job going to shit right you're right you're right you're right it's you are correct they got they got whole there's places in the south and some some rural areas areas in the rest of the country where they just have whole like obstacle courses that they've been training on for years now and yeah no you're right it's a it's a, it's a scary thing i they're just uh, yeah, there are a lot of pop things on the table that just kind of have never been on the table before like i'm not saying these things are going to happen but you know four years ago eight years ago 20 years ago like there was never a question like oh no. 
do you think that violent people are going to drive several hours in order to like cause, to violence? cause violence? You know what I mean? Like, and I wouldn't have even imagined that I wouldn't have even dreamt it up. And now it's like, Oh, that's something I kind of have to ask myself. Like, do I think that's going to happen? It's possible. Um, yes. I mean, these Trump caravans, they just be driving mm. together to locations just to, you know, do what they do. Yeah. And then it's never a Prius in that caravan. You know what I mean? It's always just a really big truck on, on high suspension. Right. I, you know, I guess that's a different conversation. Running for another people day. over. <laughs> Running people. I mean, that's a typical uh, Southern vehicle. They're just passing that on to the other people in the country. Like that's, <laughs> I grew up with, I grew up with those vehicles and yeah. yeah. I actually like big pickup trucks and I think it's a damn shame that they're so often associated now with like people whose politics are like at the very best question. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's probably just because like, you know, like a lot of my family's Mexican and there's like a very like Mexican affinity for like the big pickup truck is like, I made it. Look at my big pickup truck, you know? And now I'm like, no, you guys don't get to have those. Like <laughs> those pickup trucks are for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Southern roots out here in California too, just in general that right. have brought all of that, all of that mindset out with it. Yeah. So no, that's true. Again, they get out another, the door going, boy. And I'm yes, like, triggered, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so so now that we've successfully navigated the doomsday portion of our show, <laughs> I do want to end the show with something that I think is like positive, funny, interesting, and is about the future. Okay, this is not about the election. It's just about the political world that we live in. And it's about AOC going on Twitch to play Among Us and like breaking all the like streaming records um i there are many different ways to frame it right uh but i'll I'll just put it this way like it regardless of what what anybody thinks about aoc's politics or whatever it is very interesting to see like a young politician who is kind of like finding new ways to connect with voters like in a lot of ways it reminded me of like travis scott doing a concert on Fortnite, where i was like man that guy's a genius like in the middle of covid all these musicians are like damn we can't do concerts and then travis scott was like yeah i can and then went on Fortnite. do you know what i mean like it's just like people who are visionaries excite me and they intrigue me and i don't even really go on twitch and i don't even i don't even play Fortnite. but i just know that that's such a big part of our culture especially for young people people and like regardless even if it's like corny even if it's like you know they had a a focus group and they were like hey you know aoc people really like twitch why don't you go on there like even if even if the origins of it were like some cynical thing for her to reach out to voters or whatever i still just kind of love it and i'm excited by it but that said i'm not a gamer right really i mean you know whatever i play video games but i'm not a gamer you know and i know that we are here with the force today the geek force is strong in this room you guys are gamers you have your headsets on yes so i'm just very curious like as a group of people who like are true gamers like how did that moment land did it feel like oh this is the future and like aoc is so tight and we need more young people in politics and this is how you reach out to people or were you like this is corny and she's very bad at that game like what what was your takeaway i'll start with you i'm gonna no i'm gonna give it to ray because he was the one in our group that told us first because i remember i freaked the freak out like what she's a she signed up on twitch you know i followed yeah, that because i came i came into uh, the squad group with the twitch.tv slash aoc as my name uh that day <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that. and yeah. i was like why is that your name and you're like you didn't hear and i was like wait AOC. what um yeah no i i there was a lot of people that there's a ton of people in my sphere that were watching it. Um, we were like in little chat rooms making comments about what was going on. And uh, you could watch 
all the YouTubers on multi-stream and like see all of them. Uh, shout outs to Ilha. Ilhan Omar, did I say yeah, her name yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Omar. She, was, she was there too. Um, Representative, go ahead, girl. Yeah, yeah, so it was really, it was nice that, uh, it was a nice thing. They were, it was, I think the funniest part to me just watching it was that all the YouTubers, um, because they're gamers, and maybe I'm stereotyping, stereotypalizing I I don't know what that word is Um, stereotyping there it is Um, (laughs) maybe I'm stereotyping gamers but I feel like they are because they're younger there's a lot more liberal ones but it was just funny that they were all like really afraid Uh, Among Us is a game where you have to kill each other and lie Um, so they were all really afraid to kill the representatives in the game like the first like (laughs) half an hour 45 minutes of playing they were just like no we can't do that and it was a really funny time where it was actually both the representatives that were the, the people that were supposed to lie and kill everyone and that game was the funniest one to me because they're just aoc was afraid to kill anybody and Ilhan was going around just killing about everybody else <laughs> so it was just it was fun to watch i enjoyed it um i think um you're right it's a new it, it's it's positive for finding new ways to reach out and and i had interact with the people good Um, to hear i was afraid you were gonna pop in and be like she's not even good at it she's an outsider i mean she was (laughs) clearly she does she she games you gotta get used to especially if you gotta like you gotta the little card swipe thing is a nightmare yeah (laughs) i've heard a lot about it like before she even went on like in order for a game to kind of like reach my ears like it has to be reaching like a critical mass you know right, so like, right. i was like hey you know like whatever eight months ago have you guys heard of animal crossing I'm like yeah okay you know but like it feels like <laughs> it feels like among us is like kind of becoming one of those games now where it's like it, even, it's been out for a minute but it's like, been out for like, like three two, years yeah <laughs> like, literally it's been out and like doing okay but the moment twitch was like hey have you got and then it just like boom boom everyone's doing a right. video on it now mm-hmm. yeah right well, yo, that game is like who I, I am excited for those devs because I'm sure they're like, man, no one's really playing our game that much. And it's like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> our servers are going crazy. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, LC getting on that game was like, was a fantastic move. And also I think really kind of encapsulates uh what the Democrats need to be and what politicians should be. Like the fact that literally almost every congressperson is susceptible to catching COVID in, in the danger zone because we're over like 60 is ridiculous. Like you have like these really young folks and also AOC, well, like, like before she even started campaigning, worked as like, worked as a waitress at, or an, and a bartender because she needed to like pick up money and like pay for health insurance and mm-hmm. then becomes a member of Congress. Like, hey, like I know from experience, all of this stuff is wrong because I live this life. Mm-hmm. Like that's important. And like the Democrats have that. And I feel like what's terrible about it is like the Dems seem to fully be shirking these young kids and the and like who are fully vetted congressmen who like have voices and want change and like, okay, they're a little extreme for us, but it's like you're you're gonna lose an important factor of your party these young folks who are really gunning it and getting these voters in and this is a prime example like could you see uh, could you see barbara boxer or uh <laughs> or nancy pelosi or, or, yeah. or, or feinstein yeah. on here like coming to play among us no. or hillary saying i feel like that's, that's something hillary, hillary would do. have been terrible but you have someone who like one knows 
knows like the game that's popular and two partnered with a fellow popular Twitch streamer. And then that Twitch streamer invited her own friends, all of whom are also unpopular. And now you have like among us, you can be like, oh, you can be with up to a hundred people. It's, it's, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But now you have all these people who are just like, you know, on one server together, kind of just like talking at one another. And you have their audience members around them who are listening to them, who are typing questions in the chat, who are being a part of this whole thing. And now you have influenced a whole group of people to now become young voters and showing them which party is the coolest party or which party is a party that's so tapped in to the young folks. And I think what was also great was the fact that AOC didn't use that time to like talk about policy. She just hung out with them and like, Asked, and then asked them questions. They asked her questions and she just had a fun time with them. She didn't make it political. Like the, the most she said was everyone should go vote. There's a lot of things that are wrong, you know, in, in our country Sense. and we got to work <laughs> to fix them. And I think what was really cool was um, at some point someone was like, should we, show, should, like, should we be calling you Congresswoman or Miss ocasio Cortez? She goes, you can call me AOC. Mike Pence can't call me AOC. He's like, that's the name you all gave me, and you can call me that. But no other sitting member of Congress should call me. They should call me by my title, which is Congresswoman. And I was like, all right, go ahead. I mean, that was a wonderful like overview of that moment, and I already was optimistic about it, but now I'm just like thoroughly over the moon. Partly because we get so fixated on the now, right? We're like, oh, the only thing that matters right now is like Trump goes and Biden's in or whatever. And like, yeah, sure, that's that's true. And that's fine for our moment. But, you know, particularly for young people, like there is a long political future ahead of us. Do you know what I mean? That is like way bigger than this election or even the one that's four years from now, which is like, what is the Democratic Party going to be? Or what is the Republican Party going to be? Or what is the structure going to be that we come up with that replaces the Democratic Party and the Republican Party? And I like whenever we're fixated on a single political moment, I always like to try to like pull out a little bit and just like zoom out and look at our trajectory. And, you know, we we talked a lot about the Democratic primaries on this show, obviously. Um, And I think the main disappointment, I don't know if you guys have heard these shows, but Travis comes on the show a lot and he was just so like put out by the whole process that ended with Joe Biden, right? And like, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking bad about Joe Biden, but at the beginning of the Democratic primaries, I was like, you know what? At the end of this, like, we're either going to get somebody who's like not old or like not white or not a man, just like one of those things. Can we just get like a young person or like a non-white person or a woman, you know? And that's kind of what I thought. Those things are symbolic in a lot of ways. And I don't, I don't just mean like, oh, because you're like a young black woman that you're going to be like the best president or whatever. But, you know, that is the future of the party. That is what our country looks like. And I think that's what some of the disappointment was. We're like, damn, we went through all that. And we kind of just got like, not only an old white guy, because Bernie Sanders is also is also an old Safe, white guy. Safe, bland, vanilla you know I mean? old white oh, guy. Yes, I think you said it. I think you said it well, Marlon. The old white guy, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the most like prototypical, like been in Washington forever, like by the book kind of Democrat guy, you know. <laughs> and again, I don't want to spill a lot of ink on like what's not great about Joe Biden, but in terms of the future, like that moment, like that AOC flashpoint, you know, like I got excited about the future of the party, you know, during those interim elections when AOC and Ilhan Omar were elected because I was like, wow, 
this is traction. Like this party could have a future that involves like not only just like, you know, women and people of color and young people, but also like new ideas because all those people who came in are like much, much more like of the left than of like the Democratic Party. And they're talking about a Green New Deal and they're talking about environmentalism and they're talking about like some socialist policies that young people are very interested in. Right. So I, I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. Election day. It's cataclysmic. It's apocalyptic. But you know, and whatever happens, happens. And here we are standing by each other. But like the bigger thing really is like, what do we want? Because right now we only know what we don't want. You know what I mean? Or not, I say we, whatever. People who are very invested in having conversations like we're having here, like everybody's united in many ways on what they don't want, which is this person to be president anymore. But like seeing AOC up there, I'm like, oh, like let's really start to think about what we do want and like, and make that the focus. And whoever ends up being the next president, like, hold them accountable to those principles. So that's it. I don't know if you guys ever used to watch Jerry Springer, but at the end of every Jerry Springer episode, <laughs> you would have his, you know, Jerry's minute or whatever it was Jerry's called. Thoughts. Where he would, Jerry's thoughts. There you go. And he, he actually, you know, say what you want about Jerry, but he, he also said like some very thoughtful things in those after like doing a whole show where like people were like beating Arch. each other up and yeah, you know, and I guess he did that as a justification. So maybe this is my moment. This is, you know, you know, you, we got Marlon's corner. This is Russell's thoughts. Like, let's think about the future. You know what I mean? Like this election is a big deal, but like we are all people who can have a hand in what this country does look like. That's all. That's all I want to say. Um, so and then I do also want to thank you guys for being here because this was fantastic. I, I hope we can do this more often. It doesn't have to be a political show for you guys to come on Margin Call. Like technically this is like a news and politics show, but we do pop culture episodes. So anytime any of you or all of you is interested in coming on the show or have an idea, I just want to have an open invitation. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we'd We're love probably to be booked in November because November is when literally wow. every video game in existence drops. No, it's like yeah. literally. Thank you, Raymond. Because you know what? I just said come on the show anytime, and the first thing, first thing Marlon said was like, "You know what? I'm real busy." So yeah, uh, like, that was like, so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he was so He has to do yeah. that. That's Marlon's job. Job. all day today, so don't even like take it personally. It's been no, his thing. No, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we will. That's fair. We'll, you have you have your loyalties. I get it. No, no. We are definitely going to team up. But I'm just saying it's probably going to be a minute because literally the. PS5 drops November 11th. Yeah. Uh, Cyberpunk 20 yep. <laughs> drops November 11th. Yep. Uh, a Saturday Spring Valhalla. My team. Miles Morales drops that right. month too. Uh, six of the PS5 only games drop that. So <laughs> many. Like November is pretty much going to be early Christmas for us in terms of like content. It's be you managed to work in a very solid plug of like the next six or seven episodes of Geek Force, which I think right. is like very well done. But we'll definitely bring you in most likely yeah. for the after talk of uh, Cyberpunk just to discuss because uh, it's going to be doing like some throwbacks to like earlier sci-fi references. So if you read like you know what was the 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 sh- the metal cheap dreams of what's that move the book that was based on uh uh blade runner what was the book it was a book that was it was based on oh the source material for blade i don't <gasps> think i know it was like the something like, dreams of sheep oh yeah oh, oh that's yeah yeah do electronic do electric sheep's dream or something like that there it is. Yeah. yeah so we'll probably be talking about that and connecting it to like prior literature of the era marlon right. there's always the star wars series that's dropping what mandalorian oh yeah. this friday this friday 
Friday. All right. Wait this is officially, this is now turning into a Geek Force episode. <laughs> right? It was, it's going yeah. to happen eventually. Well, but I do also have to say this because I haven't been able to say it on the air. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on your anniversary show. I listened. Uh, I sent in some comments and questions. <laughs> you, you blew up the comments. It's <laughs> not. It's not important what those comments were. The, <laughs> the only thing that was important was I just while you guys are all here, all four of you of the Geek Force, congratulations! You guys are doing great work. Please keep it up. Thank I'm a big you. fan. Um, so yes, thanks to everyone, and a very very special shout out, uh, as always, to our guiding light, the person who keeps us on task. The person who tolerates all of our endless digressions and somehow makes an episode out of all of this madness. Our hero, our producer, Eming Fiance. Give it up for Eming Fiance. Nobody does what she does. Give it up for Eming. I don't think I like this tag team thing. I don't. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's gross. Boom roasted. Boom roasted. It also could have been that's what he said, to be fair. That's true. That's true. Inclusivity. And they said, too. Let me correct myself. That's what they said. Yes, you're absolutely right. That's what we all said. Just to make it inclusive. We all said. That's what we all said. I don't know if everybody says. No, no, no. It's all nothing. I don't know if everybody says they don't like that tag team. There's definitely people that like some people will be like, yo, actually, this I, I, should, I do not like. <laughs> yeah. The wrestle and the Marlin thing is not something <laughs> I want to have all the time in my life. Okay, no, it's not. That's what they said. You guys, I couldn't think of a better way to end the show than with a really distasteful "that's what she said" joke. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for being here. Thanks to all of our listeners for hanging with us. Don't forget to vote. Until next time. Quest on, everybody. This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.